With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Allow my blog talk radio to load. I'll be forward momentarily. All of the blessings. I'm 
Nia. Nia means purpose. And today we're going to talk about purpose from that revolutionary hoodoo, New Orleans voodoo secrets and recipes perspective. Today is Monday, December 30th, 2019, and I am emanating and vibrating with you and for you live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum universally from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince. High Potions Hoodoo Central in this revolutionary hoodoo land of my ancestors, those who came before me on this path of spirituality, of religion, of tradition, of practice. I invite you to be a part of our annual New Year's Eve soul celebration here at House of the Divine Prince, Hoodoo Central, Thai Potions, in this historic Treme. You must contact me. You must contact me by email. Leave a detailed email suggesting that you will be present. I will respond with the details that are on my Facebook page, that are on my Facebook uh, event page, but I'm offering it to you now. You can absolutely be here. The preference is that you would wear white and wrap your head in white, but you're free to be comfortable. This is a casual ceremony, but it is an authentic ceremony, and it is one that will push to the front, push to move forward, push to increase our prosperity um, and the fulfillment of our goals in 2020. If you don't understand numerology, if you don't understand astrology, if you don't understand the cosmic implications of what we do and our movement in time, 2020 is unique. I would say 2020 is, is indeed more unique than, uh, uh, what was it, the year 2000, Y2K. It is indeed more unique than any idea of 2012 and the ending of the, the Aztec and the Mayan calendars and, 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 a, and a shift in plane. And indeed, there has been a shift in plane. But we are now about to see great, great manifestation move forward in 2020. And so you want to be a part of this, there will be a special gift with this. Special regree comes with this ceremony. Special power that you'll be able to keep, hold on to, cherish, uh, indeed pass down uh, in your family, but it will connect you to this powerful revolutionary energy. And so we want to revive the, the respect of voodoo, not just the fear, there's a legitimate reason for fear around voodoo if you understand its historic context. Now, remember now, Habargani, purpose, Nia, I am and will be responding to that no matter what we're talking about. I also invite you to follow the instruction of Kiona, and please type your questions in the live chat in capital letters so that I can see them clearly and we can um, distinguish them from your greetings and your salutations. That is both here in the YouTube Live and also in the blog talk radio platform. 
I'm I'm in a different space today. So today my age is is forward. Today I have a little bit of hair on my face, uh, and, and it's temporary. <laughs> but we must acknowledge in totality who we are in order to be clear about purpose. About purpose in the ritual calendar of things. And many of you understand the ritual calendar of things. Today we acknowledge great powers, great energy, thunder and lightning and force and wind and change and transformation. We are also ever steadily moving forward in our moon calendar. So as we come out of this uh period of, of darkness, not just winter solstice, sort of the darkest, longest night of the year, but also this monthly change that happens. And so as we move out of the darkness that is represented, that is signified by the new moon and move closer to, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> closer to the light, so too must your desire your energy, your work, your preparation be moving towards the light. For some of you, I know I'm speaking sort of in, I don't know, parables. <laughs> For others who are actively participating in many of these traditions, wherever you're located in the world, I've um, shared my map frequently in social media and here on the show in terms of the reach of not just YouTube. I believe YouTube is the number one social media site right now, by the way, but also the reach of Blog Talk Radio, which provides me a map. So I know I'm being heard in Africa. I know I'm being heard in China. I know I'm being heard in, in Bangladesh and India and, and South America and, and Brazil and Canada and, and all over the world. And in the ritual cycle of things, today we acknowledge a power that pushes forward change and transformation. And so let 2020 not just be another turning of the calendar, not, not just be another turning of the clock, not just be another, you know, old Lang Zion or, or whatever his name is. So, you know, let this absolutely be and let you be in sync with the cosmic universal shift right now that's pushing forward change and transformation. And change and transformation is not always comfortable. It's not always easy. It's something that we feel in our third chakra, in our second chakra. It can have you constipated. It can have you backed up. It can have you doing a lot of activity and a lot of motion and and a lot of eating and drinking and, and, and activity while still feeling spiritually as if you are sort of moving in pace, moving and not advancing like the hamster on, on the hamster wheel. So this ceremony offers an opportunity for us to release not just 2019, but go back into our purpose, our purpose, and our pur purpose is created first by the divine creators. Whatever you choose to call it, wherever your understanding is of it right now, 
the divine creators, and then your ancestors, those who not only gave us birth, life, blood, celluloid tissue, but did work, laid down energy, laid down foundation that science now acknowledges lives on in your DNA. So we indeed are responding to, um, as Ziggy Marley called it in his famous song, Dreams of Home. We are indeed having dreams of home. Some of us are fortunate enough, blessed enough, financially stable enough to travel, to visit, to see other families, to other extensions of who we are. But as we continue to do this DNA work, this ancestry work, this Ancestry.com, this 23andMe, uh, the African Ancestry, whatever service you're using. But as we continue to do that and copies are applied, and if you've been reading your Ancestry site, you know what I mean when I'm talking about copies. The more copies they have, the further out, the further back, the further their reach in terms of who we are in terms of ancestry, uh, you know, who we are in terms of family, who we are in terms of our connection. Uh, many of you, have, if you haven't checked your Ancestry.com in the last month, last week, you need to do so. There's a major update. Um, I'm getting responses from the community that, that, that many more are registering strong in Nigeria. Now, remember, Nigeria is an artificial country, a political country a country set up by European powers and, and maybe local influence and, and, and other things like war and, and the Islamicist and, and outside buffering of that land. And when we think about ancestry, where exactly was in, in, you know, Nigeria in 1700, 1750, 1800, 1850 in relation to your people? I've also been posting, by way of Facebook, um, the, the truth that there are hundreds of languages in just the country of Nigeria, as we know it, hundreds of ethnic groups in just the country of Nigeria, as we know it. So indeed, there's somewhere to look, to do homework, to do research, to do study. We're real quick to point to Ethiopia. We're real quick to point to ancient Egypt, as a matter of fact. We're real quick to point to ancient Israel, but we've got to be realistic. I'm a result-oriented practitioner. This ain't about some feel-good voodoo. This ain't just about, you know, let me pat you on the back and, and empathize and sympathize with you and, and give you some religious feeling of hope. This is about real-world change real-world transformation, real-world demonstration. And I constantly invite, and I'm doing it again today, you to connect with me on the ground, by phone, by Skype, befriend me, get to know me, acknowledge my humanity, <laughs> and then acknowledge the work. When we understand what our purpose is, my journey of purpose goes back to like five, four, age three. Now, of course, at that age, you don't know what purpose is. You don't know what Nia is. You don't know what Kuji Chagalia is. 
You don't know what Nguzu Saba is at age three, perhaps. Then you have that period where your parents are greatly influencing, teaching um, you, setting up a, a dynamic in your consciousness that you then carry forward. Many therapists and doctors and, and whatnot say that the most formative years are really your first five years. And those first five years are often the, the time that some people don't have a great library of immediate memory from. Um, oddly, I do. Um, some of it is based, uh, unfortunately, in, in pain and tragedy and, and violence and, and hearing screaming and, and seeing negative things um, take place. But I also have that imprint of songs and conversations about voodoo and hoodoo and, and God and, and spirituality and, and root work. So my first idea of purpose was at three, four, five. Uh, religion was already being instilled. Religion was already, you know, a center point um, of my life and, and my lifestyle. Um, of course, not within my control at four and five. But when you're playing piano by ear at five and six and seven, well enough to, to perform at church and participate in choirs and have choirs and, and create programs and, and, and events, um, yeah, purpose was, was clarifying, even at elementary school, even into junior high school. I started doing reading actively at school, um, at lunchtime. It was my way of, of getting beyond being bullied getting beyond being picked on, getting beyond being the weird kid. Uh, that was the one thing that people desired of me. And even today, um, people often don't see my humanity. They don't see my need to eat, drink, sleep, you know, pass my bowels, whatever. You know, I I'm on 24 hours a day. And it's often suggested that, you know, I can't do that. That's not human. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to acknowledge your own stuff. And indeed, I do. But I want my demonstration to be clear. I acknowledge my stuff. I deal with my stuff. I confront my stuff with voodoo, through voodoo. Um, so my idea of purpose of Nia goes back to elementary school. Um, and, of course, a great deal of that purpose is, is enforced by your parents or the environment in which you grow up in. Now, depending on how precocious of a child you are, I was an extremely precocious child. Uh, one of my most vivid memories of age five was being in kindergarten. And the teacher sort of goes around the classroom asking everybody, you know, in fact, it was, it was before Easter. And the setup was sort of, ring, you know, ring around the rosy. But, but it's musical chairs, and the chairs are in a circle, and Easter baskets were strategically placed behind certain chairs in a circle. So already, you know, certain kids already know what's happening. We may not know what game they, the teacher's getting ready to teach, but we know that there's a prize, and, and we can sort of see the prize. Um, so before this, we're asked, what are we going to be? Who do we see ourselves as being when we grow up? I said, 
I'm not going to have any children, <laughs> which is not exactly the answer a teacher wants to hear to that question. Um, so it, it began a long journey of um, not being accepted, being perceived as being different or weird or odd. Just imagine being labeled, being stereotyped as five. And many of our children, especially our boys, but even our girls, are being pegged, categorized, labeled, limited in terms of where they're going in kindergarten. There's a little test you take in first grade, third grade, sixth grade, and they're evaluating your aptitude, and they're predicting where in life you're going to go. And often, when you're different, when your child has a gift, or maybe your child has a um, um, I'm, I'm trying to find a politically correct word for Asperger's, autism, um, other um, conditions that can affect your child's ability to produce light and darkness in any, in any given moment. What's these people who are doing their job sometimes, but also operating as humans and bringing their own belief systems to that environment? You then find children being pegged, ostracized, set apart, treated differently. And other children pick up on that language, on that body language, on that cue, on that demonstration from the, the adults in that environment. And so it's been at our teenage years and our adolescent years and our young adult years that we are now really fully exploring purpose and giving some freedom of space in which to explore and acknowledge purpose. So for me, the idea of, of religion, spirituality, voodoo, music, culture, tradition, all those things my mom ingrained in us at a very young age. Um, many of you know that I, I grew up, well, I was born in Chicago. My mother is a uh, retired educator but was a active public school teacher at that time. Um, I'm not exactly sure what my dad did at that time. I think he worked in a fa factory or some kind of industry-based um, um, job when, when we were in Chicago. Um, and so they decided we were going to then move to the East Coast. Some of you know more details of my story. Um, my dad had multiple families, multiple wives, multiple children, and none of this is, is in our knowledge until I'm 15, 16. So when I'm talking about being in kindergarten, and none of this is even, we're not even aware that this outside stuff is even, is even happening. Um, so the idea of purpose for me um, and then being a child on the street at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, trying to figure out who I am and now to fit this difference into the world is challenging. And when you have an environment where your parents are clear or your mentors are clear about this gift, dislike, this difference, then you have a better chance that 
being allowed to develop. But many of us don't develop spiritual gifts, spiritual connection, spiritual understanding until we're in our 20s, we're in our 30s, we're in our 40s, we're in our 50s, we're in our 60s. And so people are still trying to clarify purpose, Nia. And Nia, like a Loa, like a Orisha, is a power, is a spirit unto itself. It's an energy. And it is something that should evolve, that should change, that should be clarified as you gain knowledge, as you gain experience, as you get involved in, in the stream of life in the traffic, if you will, your purpose should evolve. My purpose is voodoo. My purpose is voodoo and and the revolutionary revival of voodoo to regain its respect, to, to regain its fear, its healthy fear. Voodoo, like any culture, like any religion, shouldn't be played with shouldn't be uh, tampered with, shouldn't be experimented with. There should be a level of respect in which we approach our ancestors. There should be a level of respect in which we approach these traditions that were first based in who we were before the colonizers came, based in, in, in what we were, but also now that we are in that stream of the Middle Passage, was a defense was a protection, was an out to what otherwise appeared as a, a endless, bottomless pit that we had no, you know, no freedom from, no, no protection from, no resolution for. Even in terms of our health, you know, just the, the things that we take for granted each and every day in this modern world with our life technology and our department stores and our drugstores and our grocery stores and, 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 and all the degrees of that. Um, just imagine your ancestors being in an environment where you don't even have feminine hygiene products. You, and we have family who still don't. There are parts of Africa right now where people are, are, are struggling to provide those things for communities who otherwise don't have access to those things and culturally um, operate in an environment that makes being a girl and the life of growing up as, as a woman difficult in some parts of our work. Um, we view that through a, a Western American prism, uh, but it shows up all over the planet. Greetings, beloved uh, Jasmine. Greetings, everyone who I have not um, necessarily acknowledged directly and individually. Please do uh, type your questions in all capital letters in the chat so that I can see them and acknowledge them, both in my YouTube live audience as well as my blog talk radio audience. Don't just let me talk. I'm not here just to talk. I'm not here to hear the sound of my voice. I appreciate your participation and allow me the opportunity to answer your questions, um, to engage with you in terms of your place today in voodoo are you here to be entertained are you here just to listen are you here just to spy <laughs> are you here to to steal uh spiritual ideas business ideas all, all that stuff are you here to share 
Ashe, are you here to participate? Are you here to indeed grow a better connection to these practices and these traditions under the umbrella of, of ATR, African-based traditional systems? We, we, I'm not even sure exactly right now who coined ATR as an acronym, but it's a common acronym that we have used um, and have been using um, that rec represents an umbrella of tradition. And, and I often recite those umbrella traditions uh, by ethnic group, Fon, Akan, Hausa, Eve, Yoruba, Igbo. Um, I've also posted and have been posting on social media just Nigeria. And I'm not focusing on Nigeria just because I have such a high degree of um, DNA from there. I'm almost 40% of my, my DNA rests in Nigeria. Uh, but also because it's a easily accessible culture, set of languages, set of people in terms of instruction about what the life is in, in West Africa. So, as I said, Nigeria has so many languages, so many uh, ethnic groups, so many uh, points of clarity that we could make, not just about ourselves, but about each other. When we look at purpose and the continent of, of Mother Africa as a whole, 3,000 ethnic groups, 2,100 languages, 5,400 countries, and the new African independence movement would ask, why are we so focused on our indigenous American ancestors? And indeed, we have some. There has been a great update in my indigenous American ancestry um, by way of these sites. And so I have a, a, a larger degree of um, Native indigenous American ancestry than um, I thought I had, and most certainly than what I have represented in, in previous shows and previous broadcasts. Uh, many of you know there was a time that that was one of my pet peeves. And it still is, just, you know, your pet peeve list tends to rotate in terms of importance. But there was a time, and to some degree we've moved on from that, where the conversation in social media was dominated by, um, I'm not African, I'm indigenous American, I didn't come from across the Atlantic, I was already here. Um, and I have, since the beginning, asked, where's your DNA? And not many people are willing to share that. Not, not many people are even still willing to do it. Um, not many people have, have done it and can really experience what I'm talking about the way you can and I can and my godchildren can and some of my clients. It's one of the most empowering things in terms of Nia that I've ever done was to have the ancestry work done. And if that continues to improve, as they gain greater numbers of copies, your results will, will they don't like the word change, but they will evolve. You'll find greater degrees of certain geographic locations in your bloodline, which will then help you to easier, better identify specific families, specific ethnic groups. And as people involve themselves in the 
technology of ancestry DNA um, and the social media component to it because there is a social media component to it and they allow you to see um, based on your own privacy settings some people choose to be anonymous some people choose to use all kind of crazy usernames letters and numbers and just like on any other social networking site but the DNA count is accurate and so even if you can't see the name you can't clarify who it is um, they do their best to identify this person is your mother your sister um, first cousin second cousin they're doing a real good job of that so you're finding people you never knew of family names you never heard of um, as I look at my own ancestry.com map going back to that indigenous American um, part of what I said a moment ago they now have indigenous American hyphen Mexico and back in my blog talk radio heyday uh, back in the decade or more when I was doing blog talk radio every single day uh, for three hours often a day uh, we talked a great deal about this movement of the time for people to sort of skip over lessen the value of deny the value of their African ancestry and sort of latch on to this this indigenous American thing um, which in my opinion is rooted in racism which is rooted in white supremacy which is rooted in self-hate and in the, in the denial of self it's rooted in the idea that um, my people wasn't slaves my people didn't come from there my people were bigger than that greater than that and the whole idea that we hold on to the royal concept we are black gods black kings black queens black goddesses you know and indeed in a relative speaking we are but we're denying so much greater power by not exploring the idea that we have hundreds hundreds of sets of grandparents great-grandparents that then carry our DNA um, throughout the world thank you Kiona for the question mark and helping me to see and identify my um, my questions that might be in the chat uh, I see Jedi master role greetings and if I'm skipping over anybody please forgive me he was the first question that I could see um, and I think that's because of Kiona's uh, question mark and he's asking what is a good way to close a divination that's a great question and that would be specifically relevant to the type of divination that's being done um, so to, to answer it in a general way which to some degree I just did it is contingent on the type of divination that's done of how you would close a tarot reading it's not the same way as how you would close a reading with the runes for instance it's, it's not the same way you will close uh, Ifa Yoruba divination it's not the way you would close a Fa divination um, it's not the same way you would close a crystal divination so the but the idea of closing a divination is, is a great one is an important one especially if you're referencing Fa or Ifa um, and, and none of that 
um, Jedi Master Ro shows up in your name. You know, we can't assume anything about people's names, but it's so embedded in your question because you do see people operating in forms of divination every day, uh, online, in the virtual world, but also in the real world. Many people know we have a, a Jackson Square here in front of St. Louis Cathedral in uh, New Orleans here uh, in the French Quarter. Uh, you often can find tarot readers and people set up to read 24 hours a day in Jackson Square and sometimes in other places on the streets in, in the French Quarter. I vouch for the French Quarter. I vouch for tourism. I vouch for entertainment. Um, but I can't necessarily vouch for any particular individual reader who's in that environment. Uh, it's not the most sacred uh, environment. There are bodies hanging from those trees, for God's sake. When I close my eyes or I'm walking wide awake through the French Quarter, I see dead bodies hanging from the trees in Jackson Square. I see the decapitations. I see people being beheaded. And you had that whole element of traffic and tourism and people coming and going. So the idea that you're now opening the faith, and many of you understand from a sort of Greco-Roman perspective what the faith, F-A-T-E-S, are, because you're operating within the realm of the faith, when you are reading, which is why I always suggest don't play with your cards. Don't just set out cards when, when you ain't got nothing else better to do or, or you're just waiting on the next reading or you're just trying to read life or, you know, don't do that. If you really respect your divination, don't do that because you absolutely have a tool now that you are connecting with the faith through. And so really that should be all that it's for. It shouldn't be for anything else. It shouldn't be treated in a common manner. Often, you're, you know, I keep my cards wrapped in bags, in boxes, in containers when I'm not using them because I have several decks of cards. My Egyptian tarot is popular, but, but I have several decks. Um, crystal balls, keep them covered, keep them clean. Keep them protected. Keep them in a, on a mirror, on a glass, on stone. Keep them in sacred space. So your shells, when you receive shells through Ifa, through Fa, through initiation, it should come with some instruction. When you receive that hand of Ifa, it should come with some instruction. And I'm hearing all kinds of stories about I got two nuts. I got five nuts. You don't even have a complete hand. Sixteen is is the number in five. Sixteen is the number in in e five. So, beloved, it absolutely um, is contingent on what um, divination system you are using, what divination system you are are operating in. And if you want to get with me off air about that, I would really appreciate that. This, this is a great topic. Uh, but, but I'm going to want to know some things, you know. Um, are you talking about yourself? Are you talking about other people? Um, and that, that gets personal uh, sometimes uh, because I don't reveal the secrets that Ifa and the Fa 
and many of these traditions hold dear. Um, I talk about them. People who are operating in these systems know that I talk about them. Uh, I just don't use certain words. I don't use certain language. Certain words, if I use them, somebody else will be using them tomorrow and will be claiming proficiency in that thing. So I often will talk about details of sort of these mysteries without going there, particularly if I don't know where somebody is in the practice. So, yeah, there should be a closing. You absolutely are opening up a hole, a wormhole, a portal in dimensional space when you're doing any form of divination, seriously, and you're looking into the past, you're looking into the future, and you're then bringing that energy back into the present moment in a way that is usable, tangible. Now, now in Voodoo, in Ifa, there are very specific details to that. You know, there's what's called Ebo in Ifa, which loosely translates as sacrifice. Sacrifice has many layers to it. There's prohibition. prohibition. There are taboos. There are things you should do. There are things that you must do in terms of what's being presented in that moment in the reading. And that's connected to the result, beloved. Absolutely. Because people think, okay, well, he read that my relationship was going to be perfect, my business was going to be fruitful, but when we start looking at the time, the day, the activity, what does fruitful look like? What does my partner has returned look like? Are they in the house? Are they spiritually there? Are, are you both spiritually in the same place? So, yeah, when you look at divination and then the closing of the divination, that's important. And, and often I use more than one system to verify what's on the table. Now, if you're a reader, not just you, um, Jedi Master, but anybody listening to me, I've said a lot. <laughs> I've said a lot. So, so there is indeed and should be absolutely um, a way of closing, the idea of closing. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Master uh, Jedi, I, I want to know more about how you were initiated. I want to know more about the tools that we're talking about right now in order to be, for me to be a little bit more specific about the closing. Um, if we are talking about Ifa and Fa, it's not in the books. It's not in the books. Um, I found, looked for it just in terms of teaching aid. I need and often utilize teaching aid. So you want to have books. You want to have websites. You want to have outlets for supporting, just, just like, like university, just like co college, supporting, at least that's what my initiations are like, <laughs> um, for supporting the material. So, yeah, there is no, mm -mm, there are no real detailed books that, that go into, they talk about the closing, they talk about if the reading doesn't close, you should then do A, B, or C, or D, or E, or F. And sometimes that's contingent on what spirits, what deities the person you're reading has officially received in a form of initiation that's tied to the type of reading that you are doing. So when we think about like tarot, for instance, we don't think about that being 
something that we initiate into. That that that, that has some kind of rules or protocols set up to it. But it does. And so I often suggest people read um The Secret Teachings of the Ages by by Manly P. Hall, which is one of my favorite books in terms of explaining what tarot really is, how tarot was really formed, and helps you to then understand what I'm sharing with you, the notion that we are opening a door, we're opening a gateway when we choose to do divination, because that's something we choose. Divination can happen, not divination itself, but the idea of reading, getting messages, sometimes just standing next to somebody, just talking to somebody, talking to someone else who's then talking about a third person, I can then lock in on that that energy. And so that doorway has to be open and or closed when you're talking about divination. You are actively inviting certain powers, certain forces, certain spirits, certain rules and protocols into your activity when we start doing readings and divination. And I don't care if you're using oracle cards. I don't care if you're using the bones. And I've seen people casting and throwing bones who have no idea what what they're doing with the bones because there is a correlation there with the bones and the sort of ancient traditional setup of fa, ifa, divination, and, and how that works. So I'd be glad to help you with that, seriously, um, Jedi Master Ro. Um, I would love to befriend you and assist you and, and sort of walk you through that um, and see exactly where you are. Um, Richie Escobar, greetings and salutations. T. Warner, divine all blessed, greetings and salutations. Thank you for being present. Uh, Richie Escobar, I appreciate your question and your using the capital letter. I would have loved you if you had wrote it in capital so I could see it. Um, he's saying, hey, is everybody else's podcast messing up when it comes to this show? Yeah, we have a lot of problems with technology, um, buffering. Um, I think some of that is, you know, pick a conspiracy. We had the same issue with Blog Talk Radio after doing Blog Talk Radio 10 years, 11 years. We saw a consistent pattern of technological interruption. Now, let's be clear. I've had more than one computer over the years. Today, I'm using the Internet on one um, browser for YouTube Live, and then I'm using Blog Talk Radio in a completely separate browser. And then my microphone for Block Talk Radio is on the phone. So I'm trying to figure out the right combination, um, R- Richie Escobar, to alleviate that as much as I can on my end. Now, right now, on my end, I haven't seen much buffering or anything on my screen from, from this perspective. So if Keona doesn't tell me, if one of my listeners or viewers does not uh, let me know, I can't assume that things are clear or buffering in terms of the show. So I always invite participation for that reason, so that people will ask questions, so that people will feel free to comment and say things, as well as let me know the condition of the technology in the show. So, Richie, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, If you can, be a little bit more specific about what's happening 
right now, and between my myself and my um, moderators, um, we may be able to fix it. Um, I've already done an hour. I really can't do a whole lot of show today because I am preparing for this powerful ceremony here at my house tomorrow at, at 9 o'clock. You cannot just show up. Please do not just show up. Um, and if the spirits are here and I'm in possession, I might say anything to you. <laughs> so please don't just show up. Um, email me. Let me know you have an interest. Let me, you know, so we can clarify um, what you're bringing, how you're dressing, what's going to be happening when you get here. And, but I welcome anybody within range. Um, I've gotten calls from Atlanta. I've gotten calls from Mississippi. I've gotten calls from across the lake, you know, in terms of New Orleans. Um, so this should be a great event. Um, I don't expect it to be, you know, a big event in terms of numbers. Uh, but I expect it to be very intimate, very powerful. Those who will be present will get an inner looking at, at my voodoo. I know some people are watching and listening because you really want to know what my voodoo is specifically. You really want to know what the voodoo do specifically. <laughs> and and I appreciate that. Do your homework. Do your research. Google me, as they say. But more importantly, I invite you to meet me in Congo Square. I invite you to meet me here in the temple space to be a part of the work, to be a part of the community. I've got children who live in other states, uh, New York, um, uh, Alabama, Georgia, who are doing powerful stuff, powerful stuff. Shrines, altars, ashe that you, you wouldn't even understand. You wouldn't even understand it. You, you would swear you were in Haiti. You would swear you were in Cuba. You would swear you were in Nigeria. So this is available to those who absolutely want it, who absolutely need it, who absolutely live for it. People often hear in this space, or even on social media or the internet, for various reasons, for various motivations. My motivation is the voodoo. That's it. My motivation is the voodoo and the revival of authenticity authentic practice, and there's no isolation in that. There's no isolated practitioner who's authentically operating in these traditions. There's no way. There's no way. Because if you're authentic and you're operating in it, okay, so your family knows. Do your mama know you a hoodoo practitioner? Do your grandma know you as a hoodoo practitioner? Do, do your kids know you as a hoodoo practitioner? This is the stuff we have to confront today, <laughs> okay? This is the kind of stuff that we're dealing with in social media today. Um, and so we've got to get more serious about this. This isn't a hobby for me. This isn't something I took a liking to and, and now I'm just still, that's not what this is about. We did a ceremony that I can't talk about a whole lot because it is on film. It, it will be aired. Uh, at some point in 2020 um, between National Geographic and the History Channel and and um, the Travel Channel. Um, so it'll be an archaeological documentary talking about many of the things that I, I present here. But the experience that we had, Nadja and Geronimo and Joshua and Denise and, and Merlene and Charlita, 
um, and, and, and the many others that, that participated, our, our directors and producers, we saw some real voodoo in the swamp. We saw some real voodoo in the swamp. We saw things break that shouldn't be broken. We saw things disappear. We have people looking for things to this day that are in the swamp. Uh, so I don't take this as a game. I don't take this as a joke. This is the way I earn my living. This isn't for, you know, social media publicity. If it was, I'd have more followers. If it was, I'd have more consistent Instagram followers and, and Twitter followers. And, you know, that's not why I do this. Um, and people fall off when they find out that, oh, this is real voodoo. Oh, they're serious about this. Oh, they really do believe in Mawalisa and, and the Orisha and the Loa and the powers of these forces. This is my life. You're seeing a window into my life. And so if it were no technology, if it were no Internet, ask my mama what I was doing 25 years ago. Ask my blood sisters and brothers what I was doing 25 years ago. Ask the people I grew up in high school with what I was doing in high school 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. So this isn't a game for me. Respect the voodoo. Respect the voodoo. Respect the voodoo. I live that. It's, 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 it's who I am. All is a blessing. All is a blessing. It's true. The ancestors see what we do. The ancestors see what we say. That's my reality. And so it's not faith-based. This isn't faith-based in, in, in that regard. This is my experience. This is my reality. And so when I gift the ancestors, when I gift spirit, spirit gifts us back. When we take one step, they say God takes two. When we push energy, energy has to push back. There has to be a response somewhere in the creative energy to that inertia, to that power. And so that's why we do what we do. Uh, Tammy uh, Moai, if I'm mispronouncing your name, please forgive me. But I'm grateful for your presence. Robin Johnson, all is indeed a blessing. Peace and blessings from Mississippi. Uh, greetings, beloved. Um, Marge Richard, I greet and appreciate your being present. Um, greetings and salutations. Um, thank you so much for your comment. Um, thank you for saying I have a solid stream today. And I hope you're talking about the technology because nobody really responded directly to that. Um, yeah, because I'm not getting a whole lot of buffering and, and jerking on my end. So I appreciate that. I, I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Please be prepared going into the new year. There's a reason for our rituals. There's a reason for our black eyed peas. You know, there's a reason for our okra. There's a reason for uh, the foods that we gather and that we acknowledge and that we celebrate and the rituals that we celebrate and acknowledge around New Year. Our New Year is sort of artificial in terms of the calendar. The calendar would say the New Year is at winter solstice, when the sun now has dipped as far north, I mean as far south from our hemisphere as possible, 
and we go into that period of darkness, and now we step out into this period of light. So be prepared. Have your house clean. Don't be broke. You know, they say if you're broke on New Year's Eve, you'll be broke all year. If you're broke at midnight, you know, if you don't have friends at midnight, if you're not acknowledging God, if you're not acknowledging your ancestors, if you don't have your space sort of in what we call feng shui now, in order, you're setting yourself up to repeat what you set to, re to be repeated. We create and we create our reality. I do. I and I. Myself in co-concert with the divine creators create and re recreate my reality. It's not what you feel. It's not what you say. It's not what you believe. It's not what you want to happen. It's what in concert myself, my divine creators, my, my ancestors, that is ultimately what our demonstration is and should be. So be prepared. Go into 2020 prepared. Those who participate in my ceremony, they'll be prepared. And they'll have some items that they can share that'll have that ashe and that power attached to it. Um, if I don't have any other questions or comments, I'm going to move forward momentarily if I can continue to be ready for tomorrow. I don't see a whole lot of activity in Blog Talk Radio. I know I have listeners and I have people uh, on the line. Please do press your number one. If you have a question, comment, or request, please acknowledge, Nia, your purpose. Your purpose should be something that we clarify and, and should be a part of fully what we are each and every day. But for those of you who acknowledge Kwanzaa, who, who acknowledge the holiday season, who sort of have your New Year's ritual, I don't like the idea of resolution, but your New Year's ritual, please take that seriously. And don't let this be another year that you decide you're going to do something, change something, create something, produce something, and that not happen, that not move forward. Sometimes we talk a lot. I've talked a lot. I've shared. I remember when I first did this show in January, I said, hey, this is the year I'll be in Brazil. Look for me to be in Brazil. And Brazil is still in motion. Brazil just has not happened. And so sometimes when we put that energy out there, when we verbalize where we are, what we're doing, what, what our expectations are, we open that up to outside interference for people to judge that, for people to say, oh, you said, and it didn't happen. For people to say, you know, you promised, and then now that's not moving forward. And it's not the way we look at spirit and the manifestation between spirit and then it's showing up in the real world. We say happiness. What does that mean? We say joy. What does that mean? I have clients say, I just want to be happy. I just want to be at peace. I just want to be in love. And you first have to be in love. You first have to be love. You first have to be peace. You first have to be prosperity. You first have to be honor. You first have to be 
and I say B in capital letters, you first have to in normal grammatical type, but B, B, capital B, capital E. B, it's the same thing as I am. To be is to accept the quantum metaphysical power that is I am. The book says, Moses said, who art thou? What art thou? Well, where is this voice and this energy coming from? This burning bush. Who, who's producing that? And according to the book, he said, I am. I am. Now, I, capital I, lowercase a-m, means me, myself. But when we type it, capital I, capital A, capital M, we're saying I am and connecting ourselves back to the divine, back to the creator. So when we say be, it's an admission of settling into faith, to reality, through potentiality, through, through the blessing that is not only present in a way that we deem tangible. Is it in my bank account? Is it in my purse? Is it in my wallet? Is it in my refrigerator? Is it in my cabinet? Is it in my driveway? Is it in my house? But we first have to envision that. We first have to assume that from within. We choose. We choose. There's no greater message I can give you for New Year's. We choose. People are just confused about where do I choose, to, who, to whom do I choose from. Now we're confusing something that's real simple, that's real basic in the cosmic universe. So if God breathed life, breathed his own breath, her own breath, her own energy into humanity, then I am God. You too are God. I am the goddess. You too are the goddess. And so therefore we create and co-create the reality in which we exist. We create it. And so our ritual activities, I keep saying it's a, it's a word for that, not, when I get off air, I, it escapes me, and I never think to go back and pull that word out. In, in the laws of magic, the universal laws of magic, the, the comedic ancient Egyptian laws of magic that says that the, the physical mirrors the spiritual, and the spiritual mirrors the physical. Just think about that. And so when we look for a physical outward manifestation of something that comes from spirit. And there's a great deal of work attached with that, inner work, being clear, being in balance, physically, hormonally, chemically being clear, being in balance, eating the proper foods not being backed up, stuffed up. Me and Merlene talked about that earlier today. Merlene's one of our great baby dolls, gold digger baby dolls, and elders in our community. And she talked about how her grandmama and her mama 
fed them sort of on a schedule. So you knew every Monday, you know, you was going to put that pot of beans on. And so you were getting fiber from your grains, whole grain foods. You knew that day of the week you were going to have greens. You know, and everybody had greens. Everybody had cabbage. You know, some of that came poke salad and, and other herbs uh, right out of the yard. Um, to mix into your collards and your mustards and, and your kale, you know, and your turnip greens. Um, we don't do that. Many of us don't do that the same today. Uh, and you're eating artificial foods. You're eating prepackaged foods. You're eating junk foods. And you're eating white flour and white sugar and, and, and all white products that don't come directly from nature like coconut. Generally speaking, it's not good for you. Um, potatoes, even, um, starch, sugar. And it's how we apply these foods and these nutrients in our bodies that then show up in our spirit, in our, in our spirit disposition and our manifestation. Thank you, Marvin the Magi, the law of correspondence. I always say that I have the most erudite audience and viewers on the internet. They always know what I'm talking about and they can help me pull it out of my memory when I can. <clears throat> Thank you, Marvin the Magi. I was talking about the law of correspondence, that comedic ancient Egypt, Egyptian indigenous old world idea that the reason that we feed a saint, feed an Orisha, acknowledge an Egyptian uh, deity, and, and physically go through an act, physically provide a ritualized process uh, correlates with what's called the law of correspondence. So what we set up on earth, we expect to be set up on heaven. And what we expect to be set up in heaven, we expect to be manifest here on earth. It's embedded in the six-pointed star. The three-pointed three star pointing up, and then the three-pointed star um, that points downward. And, and the coming together of that understanding. And so it's said that the six-pointed star is the, is, the, is the star, the symbol of the prophet, the man or woman who has then evolved to the next level and is here for more than just self. It's here for more than just my blood, my lineage. I, I knew in kindergarten I, I wouldn't have children. The minute I said, you know, what I want to be when I grow up, I, I don't want to have children. Um, needless to say, the teachers were just, they didn't know what to do with that. Um, I remember being removed um, from kindergarten altogether after that um, and, and then had to start attending school in another county where my mother taught. Um, and then three years into that, the uh, Maryland changed the laws in terms of where you lived and where you could attend school. That was the beginning of that. Um, and so I then was forced to go to school in PG County, Prince George's County, though my mother was teaching in Anne Arundel County. Um, and from then on, you know, the bullying, the people who didn't understand that I was different, the people who, who couldn't comprehend, you know, how to showed up as bullying, showed up as me now having negative, you know, experiences with people, places, and things that then had to be brought to some level of balance as an adult 
in terms of determining our purpose. Are you indeed here only to breed? Are you indeed here only to pay taxes? Are you indeed here only to eat and watch your favorite shows and satisfy your body and, 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 and have sex and, and to do base, carnal, animalistic things? things that our closest genetic, biological uh, uh, ancestors, like the apes, they say, you know, the closest, those of us who shared that Neanderthal blood, um, is that your only reason, your only, your raison d'etre in, in French? But are you indeed here for a greater purpose? And, and are you implanting that purpose in your seed? in your children, in your godchildren, in your grandchildren, in the community that interacts with your children. Often if you have children, your children are now exposed to everybody else's children, especially going to, to school. So purpose, like all of these principles of Kwanzaa, um, requires us coming to the table with many of these principles already clarified. Purpose, unity, kujichagalia, self-determination, self um, all of these things go into our idea of purpose. And another way of looking at purpose is, who am I? What am I? Why am I here? Your life is not a waste. Your being here is not an accident. Just because you experience bad things does not mean you are not called to something greater, to something higher. Acknowledge your survival. Honor your survival. I'm a true survival for a reason. God had me to survive. The ancestors had me to survive. The powers of voodoo had me to survive. I should have been a statistic. I should have been another number. I stand here today on, on the ancestors. I stand here today on, on the voodoo. So we must uh, clarify that in terms of, of Nia, purpose. Um, Marcus, greeting, my favorite person. <laughs> Thank you for being present and sharing with me here in this space. Um, Marcus is asking by Marcus Art. Marcus is a world-renowned artist in, in the city of Chicago. Um, he's asking, from my personal experience, do Ouija boards work? And he's also asking, who was Baron Sam D? Greetings, Ra, Singer, and forgive me if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly. Greetings, Robin Johnson. Greetings, everyone present uh, in my live chat on both um, YouTube Live and my Blog Talk Radio, but also those who are on the phone lines in Blog Talk Radio at 845-277-9143, who still haven't pressed the number one. But, but I'm grateful and honored for your presence. Um, okay, Marcus, I'm going to answer your question. First, um, Ouija board. Do Ouija boards work? Ouija boards absolutely work. Just like I believe tarot works, I believe palm nut divination works. 
I believe, shell divination work. Somehow in this culture, we demonize the Ouija board, and maybe for good reason, but it stands out in many people's minds as one of the most uncontrollable, frightful items of divination. And it is a tool of divination. Um, if I could explain, it's often created by wood, which has a connection to the ground. So it's already grounded, which makes it that much more likely to bring in disembodied, the dead, the egum, galette, if you understand galette in, in, in Haitian voodoo, and these spirits that also inhabit wood, nature, the earth. So I must look at the tools in terms of what they're made of. So your most volatile tools are your tools that are made out of wood and paper. Tarot and Ouija board are your most volatile forms of divination. They are the least controllable. They are the, the most open to lower energy, earth energy, dead energies, base energies, and energies that are sort of stuck in the, in the lower earth realm. I actually have a round um, Egyptian tarot. I mean, around Egyptian um, Ouija board, Marcus. I've shown it on Instagram once or twice. I may have posted it on Facebook sometime or another. Um, and it's red and black. Um, I absolutely believe in it. I don't play with it. I don't allow other people to play with it. I don't keep the planchette and the board itself together in the same space because that's what activates the board, the connection between the board and the planchette, but also the other hands, the other people that then project their energy into the Ouija board. I have personally experienced negative supernatural consequences with a Ouija board. Um, I, I, one of the, the small conflicts in my life that turned into a big thing uh, that still remains a, a roadblock in my family uh, is a relationship between one of my particular cousins, and I won't say which one, and a Ouija board. And she destroyed it, got rid of it. She told me she burned it. I'm not sure that she did, but, but, but she never would tell me exactly what happened to the Ouija board. This is the kind of thing that, that you get, that you purchase, and then you leave at a family's house, a family member's house, assuming that they're going to do the right thing by you. Never seen the Ouija board again. Uh, and we don't talk till this day. Uh, and she only speaks of me in negative terms till this day. Um, what I can remember, because this happened back in the 90s, what I can remember is her suggesting she had negative experiences, that there was things shadow in her house, shadow people, shadow spirits, shadow demons, things moving, things breaking, things presenting itself in shadow form that terrorized her, that she associated with, with darkness. Um, during this period, she was also dabbling 
in Orisha, dabbling in Loa. And you literally can't dabble with these powers. You have to marry them. You have to be committed to them. You have to be in relationship with them. And like our human personalities, you know, they, they can show jealousy. They can show opposition to, to powers and forces that aren't necessarily in line with why they're here and what you should be doing and are operating with at any particular time. And Marcus, um, I often say, um, and the Bible even says, and many of our spiritual texts say, always check the spirit. Always know the source of the spirit, the origin of the spirit. And so Ouija boards absolutely work. I've seen them work. I've seen them produce negative information. I've seen them produce negative energy that precedes just the board itself, but the activation of the board itself. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe in, in, in Ouija boards working, um, and, and it can be negative. And they should also be kept covered, isolated to some degree, or, or, or kept in a place of power that can overcome uh, uh, the power of the Ouija board. And so I also keep my Ouija board with uh, Papa Legba. Legba controls my Ouija board. Legba is the only one allowed to use my Ouija board. <laughs> Legba and Eshu can use my Ouija board. Uh, let's see. Your second question was, and who was Baron Samdi? Now, when you say was, you're suggesting an ancestral connection to who Baron Samdi was. And indeed, there's that connection, but there's no specific person, place, or thing. Even when we look at Haitian culture, which is where Baron Samdi, um, Baron means uh, the Baron or the Master of Saturday, um, comes from is Haitian culture, Haitian voodoo, Haitian tradition, is a is sort of an amalgamation, synchronizing of more than one thing. Um, Baron has a great degree of legba, eshu, kalfo-like characteristics. Um, trickster-like personality. He is sometimes said to be Legba of the crossroads, but at night, and not just at night, in the underworld. Um, he governs the family of Gede. And Gede, unlike Egun, Egun is a Yoruba word for ancestors or the dead. Egungun means ascended dead or those ancestors that we honor and acknowledge. Gede, however, in the Haitian voodoo context, is the unsettled dead. This is your family, your bloodline, the people who've passed on with unfinished work who might be disgruntled, who might be displeased, who needs to be placated, who needs to be satisfied, who needs to be prevented from interfering with the, with the living. Uh, Baron um, took on some other symbols that mirror Ogu, that mirror um, military, war, policing, order to some degree. But Gede is really the dead and the embodiment of the dead. Um, the corpse 
in a Haitian voodoo context uh, where they put cotton in his ears and in his nose and and ephon or, or white powder to really give the presentation that the person who is channeling Gede is absolutely dead. There's a difference in Gede, how he manifests in, in New Orleans, which is a little bit more celebratory, which is a little bit more of the jokester, the trickster. Uh, you even see some of Gede in um, the voodoo practitioner in The Frog and the Princess, which is based on me, by the way, uh, Dr. Facilier, that is also Gede-like. That black and purple is Haitian Gede death-like colors and, and recognition. So Gede is not, Gede is said to be the first dead person, the first dead ancestor. Um, and now he comes back to ensure we all make that passage, if you will, into the underworld um, with, safe, with safety and, and, and understand how to navigate. The Egyptians in the uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead or the Egyptian Book of, of Coming Forth gave great detail about encountering things in the underworld and navigating that. Um, and so Gede might even show up in some Osiris-like symbolism, uh, the mummification, the being wrapped, um, which is what Osiris is really uh, signifying. We often see these deities in their in their prettiest, in their safest, in their most universally accepted symbolisms. But there's that hardcore side of them that we don't think about, that we don't process in the West. And so um, Marcus um, Baron Sandy is really said to represent the first dead person who then now becomes a master of what dying is, has the knowledge of what dying is and what happens with dying and, and in the process of dying and can affect when and where you die and, and all that kind of stuff. All of that is imprinted on get day. Um, and so he's also seen to be a bit frightful. He's also seen to be someone who knows sort of your secrets, who knows sort of the stuff that's unknown about you, that which is hidden in your body that's creating death and disease and decay. All that's in the realm of, of Gede, who and what um, Gede is. And Baron Samdi is said to be um, the father of the family of Gede. Gede is, a, is an entire family, not just um, one spirit. Baron it shows up as one spirit. But he is really the representative of, of the entire family of who and what uh, Baron Samdi is. Uh, I'm pulling up some of my some of my notes. Um, I don't think I've missed anything really. There are other manifestations of Baron that are often not thought thought about. We focus on Baron Samdi, and particularly in the West, um, the Baron, the Master of Saturday. So there is that celebration. There is that um, Day of the Dead um, Mexican element that is universal in how indigenous cultures view dead representation. But Baron also shows up as Baron Sam, 
uh, Cemetery and Baron Criminal, um, all these different paths recognize or represent what I suggested earlier before I pulled up my notes that the Baron and the family of the Baron really represent what's unsettled about the dead and reminds us that you're going to die. You, you will be at this crossroads. You will have to meet me at some point, someday, some hour. Um, and we, meeting Gede, meaning the dead, we know what's unresolved. We know what's hidden. We know what you won't talk about. We know what you haven't addressed. We know what's killing you. And we don't often think that our, our worry, our fears, our anxiety, um, literally kills us from the inside out. You can worry yourself to death. You could be tormented to death. Someone can pass and you can grieve yourself to death. And all of this stands within the realm of Baron, what Baron is and, and how Baron shows up at any um, particular place. Some people have a conflict with top hat. And, and, and why I wear the top hat and, and why that is being represented. Uh, but when you look at authentic West African voodoo practitioners, you see the top hat, you see them taking on hats from European culture that are symbols of power. And then they confer the, the voodoo power onto that element uh, and, then bring, and then bring that into the tradition. So we see Igbo, for instance, all the way back to the time of the Middle Passage, in the time of enslavement, um, wearing hats as symbols of power, um, as symbols of, of uh, voodoo, outwardly among our people, but also among the uh, European colonists. Um, at the same time, at the same time, he is um, indicative of, of resurrection to remind us that you will be reborn. You will rise again. You will live again. Uh, you will uh, have an opportunity to address um, these issues again. And just because you die does not mean that these things just magically go away. Does that mean that, you know, okay, you took that secret to your grave? We talked about that a few days ago, Marcus. Baron reminds us that you don't take anything to the grave, really, that is not seen, that is not now available and known in what is called um, the Akashic Record uh, and, and what, what is not documented in, in the universal book, the universal archive that keeps track of all life, all movement, all human and spirit form activity. So so Gede, Papa Gede, Baron Sandi is here to remind us of that. It's here to show us of that. Um he sometimes is dirtier, like he's been in a, in a casket and it's now being revived. So that's not just symbolic of, you know, zombie and, and sort of the resurrection of, of the dead who's in that suspended state of breaking down, but on the other side being renewed. But Gede is about doing the work, is about addressing the homework, 
and particularly that work, that homework that you won't address, that you refuse to address. Uh, forgive me for playing around with my Word documents. I know some of y'all can see that light in my eyes, and you know I'm doing more than one thing. And you have to do more than one thing. In order to do a broadcast like this on two different uh, platforms, so I'm I'm grateful for your participation, for your questions, for your acknowledgement, for your spending time here, Marcus. I love you. I respect you. I appreciate you. Um, if you got more, hit me up. If you got other questions, uh, let me have that. Greetings, Martha Martinez, longtime lover, supporter, friend. I appreciate your continued support. Um, some light. Thank you so much for coming back and being part of of today's powerful show. Um, Rai Ra Sengar Sinjar. Phonetically spell your name if I can get it right. Um, or, or call me on my phone line. Before it's too late to call me on my phone line. My phone lines lock at a certain time. So you want to call 845-277-9143. Press the number one on your telephone keypad. It will allow me to see that there is a caller in queue, and then I can press a button, and it will allow me to unmute your mic. And you can ask your questions, comments, or requests live here on air. Let me tell you, I don't know how Wendy Williams or anybody else does it. You get dehydrated after an hour, two hours of doing the show. Your lips be dry. Your mouth be dry. I get water, I get coffee, I get libation, okay? So please forgive me for those who can see me breaking in the middle of the show. Um, so, yes, um, I felt like I was in a question, and now I'm being led on to the next question. So so forgive me. If I'm missing anybody, I'll, I'll come right back to you. And I know I was talking to Ra. Sinjar left, and now I'm moving on to the uh, to the next question. Uh, is there a system of divination specifically for voodoo? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm so honored and humbled that you would ask that question. Everybody under the sound of my voice, everybody watching this video, and make sure you tell somebody, you show somebody what I said. This is live on camera, this is live on air, and it's going into archive. It'll be documented. Is there a system of divination associated with voodoo? Is a question that Ra Sinjar is asking that I'm responding to. Absolutely, absolutely, hands down. And there's no way to claim voodoo, to say you're operating in voodoo without acknowledging this system. The only, and when I get quiet, I'm, I'm, I'm being diplomatic and looking for my words. The only deviation from that is the Haitian use of cards. And usually they use a regular deck of cards. They don't use tarot with all the European symbolism on it. Now, we know that tarot and the regular deck cards share a similar history, share a similar root, share a similar path. But somehow the, the deck of cards 
became a tool of, of, of divination in Haitian voodoo. But the system by way they're using the cards should be universal. It is not I see, I feel. Just like with the tarot card, it shouldn't be I see, I feel, I think. You are reading the symbols. You are reading the puppy dog feet. You are reading the, the, the diamonds. You are reading your clubs. That's my puppy dog feet. You are reading your heart. You're reading your, your, your wands. You are reading your cups. And then the number association. So in order to do tarot, you got to have numerology. You got to have an understanding of astrology to a great degree. You have to understand um, the symbols, alchemy, and many of the symbols that are being represented in the, the tarot and et cetera. So in voodoo, we're talking about shells and bones, shells and bones. Now, in Ifa, which is Yoruba-specific, and I said earlier in the show, beloved, I don't know if you were here, um, Ra, that um, I said earlier in the show that um, we tend to focus on Yoruba. And I've been posting in my Facebook social media that there are, I think, 300 ethnic groups. Maybe maybe two hundred and something ethnic groups, and then three hundred and something languages, just in Nigeria, and we've hooked on to Yoruba, we've hooked on to our Risha romance, and so there's all these other traditions that some of these other ethnic groups might be considered um, voodoo. When we look at Benin, when we look at Togo, when we, when we look at Ghana and we step out of the sort of uniform practice of a Khan tradition, the average African calls all of that voodoo. So, yes, there's a system. It's, it's the shells. It's, it's the bones. To some degree, it's the palm nuts. And it's based in the same root system that Fa and Ifa is. So you have to have that same scientific mathematical process going on on your divination board and in your head as is what's going on in this computer. This computer is being run and driven on the same science, the same magic as Ifa or Fa Voodoo divination. It's, it's a binary code. It's a binary system. So binary code or binary system can be a series of ones and twos or Roman numeral ones and Roman numeral twos. And, and, and remove the crossbar, and that's now what you're looking at in Buddha. That's now what you're looking at in Fa and Ifa. And so the palm nuts are done. The shells are cast. And then a mark is made on the board. And some of y'all know just by my finger and emotion what's being marked. That was all good. <laughs> okay. That's Oshi. That's Oshi. The 
forgive me, Blog Talk Radio, because you can't see <laughs> what I'm doing. So there's absolutely a system of divination within voodoo. Even in the casting of bones, I'm seeing that now being used as a way of, of people asserting themselves into hoodoo, root work, conjure, voodoo. But what I'm not hearing, when they are shaking the bones and, and manipulating the bones, what I'm not hearing is any correspondence to that, to that system. And, and this system has names. And so when we cast a new Orisha, if you will, a new loa, if you will, a new deity is being born on the board that's speaking this truth, that's predicting this divination. And then that spirit has to be fed. That's where sacrifice, your goats, your pigs, your chickens, that's where sacrifice then comes into the practice. There's also the element of what happens to sacrifice. Some of that is eaten. Some of that is partaken by the group. Some of that is embedded in the work. You know, it's not just a waste of life. It's not just a waste of blood. No more than your, your in industry-produced chicken, which is produced in the most brutalist of ways, your Popeye's chicken and your Kentucky Fried chicken and your grocery store chicken. Forgive me for naming brands. I'm not trying to disparage any brand. But that chicken goes to hell compared to the voodoo chicken, the voodoo goat, the voodoo cow that is fed, that is kept, that is connected with on an emotional level, on an energetic level, and in our tradition gives it permission to, it's offering to be a part of the ceremony. Your industry food doesn't get, you know, doesn't get that choice and, and dies in terror with the chemicals and hormonal production of terra in their blood, in, in, their, in their veins. So, yeah, there is a voodoo divination. It is fa, to answer your question directly and, and simply, Rob. It is fa. And without fa, ain't no voodoo going on. Ain't no ifa going on. And there is other forms of divination, traditionally organized other forms of divination that we also use to communicate with the spirits in voodoo and also with um, our ancestors in the realm of the dead. In Yoruba, it's often referred to as Ose-Ifa. Um, not Ose-Ifa, um, O-B, O-B-Abata, O-B-I-A-B-A-T-A, O-B-Abata. And Obiabata is really about throwing and acknowledging the coconut, the cola nut, K-O-L-A, the cola nut, and then breaking that to, into its appropriate lobes and then having that cast. We didn't have access to cola nuts until more modern, more recent times, not in terms of divination. We had Coca-Cola, Pepsi, but RC, but, but many of us didn't have access, didn't know anything about cola nuts. So during the Middle Passage in Cuba and South America and even here in, in, the America, in North America, we evolved Obiabata using coconut shell and using cowrie shell once cowrie shell became, became available. Those are voodoo divination. So, yes, there's absolutely a, 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 a voodoo divination that, that must be acknowledged 
it's at the it's at the root of what the binary code is. It's at the root of what your 16 principle o, o do are, your 256 possible do are, and then how you respond to that, how you then answer and close that. Um, you may be the, the same person, forgive me, who asked earlier about closing a divination. And, and, and those secrets, those mysteries um, are what I'm hesitant to say right here. Because if I do, you got one of the overnight self-made fake practitioners that will be trying to do it and misrepresenting it. So, so I don't want to get really specific. But, um, yeah, there's absolute voodoo divination. It is fa. It is obiabata. It is bones. And it has a numerical, mathematical, unchangeable protocol to it. You can't play around with it. You can't remake it. You can't pretend you're doing it, especially in front of Africans or, or African-Americans who understand how this works. You, you just can't. So, yeah, that, that's, that's the system. Now, I do use tarot. I use a lot of Egyptian tarot. Um, I use other forms of divination, like crystal, particularly when I'm dealing with the world from a more global perspective. People who are interacting with me who don't practice voodoo, who don't honor and acknowledge their ancestors, who aren't coming to me because they're ready to initiate or ready to accept and embrace this as their tradition. And so I use what I consider a universal language, which is Egyptian tarot. But when I'm doing voodoo, when I'm doing initiation, when I'm doing ritual work, when I'm doing urgent care work, that explains, for those of you who are concerned, that, that explains the difference in the donation. Because the voodoo definition is longer. It's more complicated. In its most authentic demonstration, it's a lot to be said. It's a lot to be prayed. It's a lot to be chanted. It's a lot of forces to be acknowledged. And then you cast. And then you, it's a lot more to say and it's a lot more to be acknowledged. And then there are other divinations that happen. There's something that the Ibo, is this spell I-B-O, that determines is it hot or is it cold? Is it negative or is it positive? Is this something that's slow coming? that takes time, that takes work, that takes effort and then manifests itself? Or is this something that's quick, that's fleeting, that might indeed open a quick door, bring about a quick blessing, be, bring about the miracle in that moment, but then it's going to close and you then have to have some kind of anchor. You then have to have some kind of backup. All of that is involved in the, in the traditional fa, ifa divination that things you're give, given to the person who's being read, that they hide, that they conceal, so that they then later reveal that, then later open that up in the reading to validate what's being said. It's a mechanism to prevent a practitioner from manipulating the reading, from throwing something that you see and saying that this is what it is, but you're holding the orientation. You determine what the orientation is. So I have clients who've called me and I've said, run through your house right now and get 
two objects of these two particular colors and bring them back to the phone. Run through your house and get this particular object and bring it back to the phone. And I want you to sit something to your left and some things to your right and count out their order. I've done that. I clients that can validate that. While I, on this end, am doing the traditional fox. And so they determine, is it hot, is it cold, is it negative, or is it positive? Does the reading correspond with my, is this a confirmation correspondence, or is this, a, okay, you are totally not getting it, and you need to take some immediate detour in how you're addressing so absolutely. I know I say a lot. That's my way of doing things. But Ra um, Sinjar, if I'm not pronouncing your name right, please tell me. Oh, Singer, Ra Singer. Okay, Ra Singer. Um, yeah, Fa, um, which is 16-count based, binary-based. Then you have Obiabata, which takes a shell, a component of five, and reduces it down to four, the number four. And then from that four, you create and recreate the 16, and you still get that, that answer. Again, people who are initiated, people who have a real hand to eat five. There's Nigerian Babalows right now watching this show. Please call in. Chat in, leave your leave your comment. It never happens. You know why it never happens? Because I'm giving you the straight right now. I'm giving you the straight, and there are not many people who are going to give you the 100, the straight, like this without revealing the practice. Without some people listening right now say he didn't really tell you a whole lot, but that's because you, those people who say I didn't tell you a whole lot. Don't understand what I just said. The Babalaos know what I just said. The real Ianitas know what I just said. The real voodoo practitioners know what I just said. And it is within that, whether you're using shells, coins, bones, you can't escape that system if that's indeed the voodoo system that you're working from. And so that's why I get respect in West Africa. That's why I get respect in South Africa. That's why I give respect in America. That's why I have frenemies and, and people who are in their feelings about it because I've done the homework. I've done the homework. I've done the research. And it's not just an understanding. It's now an understanding, Raw Singer. It's now an understanding. So Fa is the divination of Buddha. Fa. Fa. Yes, um, Marge, Richard, Haitians use playing cards. You, you can find pictures of that online. Uh, Mambo's with a wicker basket out, the rice thrower basket out, and they have, they, they usually read the entire deck. So it's not just seven cards. It'll be every card laid out in a specific order of numbers, and they, they will read from that. And I've seen with my own eyes Haitian practitioners who, did that and who absolutely understood and read from the the traditional tarot-based system because that's what a regular deck of cards is. 
That's why some evangelicals and sanctified folks, think about your great-grandma and your grandma, those of you who are in my age group. Playing cards was seen as just as bad as gambling or spitting tobacco or drinking alcohol or going to the burlesque show or to the jig joint. They saw playing cards as it truly was intended from its original creation, which was tarot. So when you look at your houses, hearts, diamonds, clubs, spades, they mirror the houses in tarot. And you have the master cards, the master symbols in tarot, which are a little bit different. Then you have your king, your queen, your jack, and then your, your one through ten. And that mirrors traditional tarot. So I've seen Haitian practitioners throw that deck of cards out. And, and I've heard and seen them read from traditional accurate tarot. But I've seen others just throw that card and just say, baby, I feel and I see and I know. And they're not reading those cards at all. And, and I see the same thing with tarot card readers. I, I know tarot card readers. Pass them in a the quarter every time I go in the quarter. Hey, how you doing? And they're homeless. they on meth. <laughs> for God's sakes, you know, walking around with, with two dogs and don't have a clue about the system of tarot. And so the Internet is sort of the new Jackson Square. Anybody can set up down the Internet and say they're a reader, they're a practitioner, more so a reader. I'm seeing more people say they're readers. People offering love work, and but that's a small percentage. But more people that are claiming to be readers. Please forgive me while I answer the door. Allow me to put on just a little bit of music, and I'll be right back. Dash of cayenne to the roof. Gonna put on my Greek grease suit. Boil a gumbo, hot and steady. Don't care if ready, ready. Gonna pray at that old cemetery. Down on Claiborne, where she's buried. Build a fire on the bayou When a black cat scratch at two Under a full moon that's blue Chant some magic words, Kufaru A dash of cayenne to the rule Gonna put on my Greek grease suit Black top hat, black suit too, single rod that Moses through. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black shades too. 
A dash of cayenne to the roof. Gonna put okay, on back. my Greek Greek suit. Yeah. Greetings, greetings. Forgive me. I had to answer the door. Um, people are still asking about and concerned about um, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is going to be a big deal. If you can be here, please email me. Let me know you're coming. Bring your white candles. Bring your rainbow candles, your, your seven-day candles, your seven African power candles. Bring your bottles of liquor. Bring your tobacco. Bring your offerings. This is going to be like nothing you've ever experienced before. And so those few people who managed to get here, they'll tell it. They'll tell it. Yes. Thank you so much, um, Ross Singer, Jedi Master, Rose. You all made the show. Marge Richer, you all make the show. Um, Marcus Allen, Marcus Art, all of your questions and your active participation makes the show. Uh, I would have hung up at 1 o'clock if you all hadn't been asking questions and actively participating in the show. So I'm greatly um, honored and, and appreciative. Um, Ross Singer, um, I think you got Dana, Complete Healing. I, I love that. There is indeed some repair of that bridge between then and now when we get that DNA work done. I also believe it's going to have a, you know, an after effect, something that's not planned when we originally go into getting our DNA done, and that is that awareness of all these other bloodlines, these other ethnicities, these things that show up in our, in our history. And some people don't want to do Dana for that reason. Some people don't want to know how much black they got in their family, how much white they got in their family. And so we have to evolve beyond that that question. Uh, Marge Richer is asking, where will the public be able to see the, fourth doc the forthcoming documentary? And that should be documentaries that I'm producing. Uh, they will be on the Travel Channel, Nat Geo, which is, which is Nat Geo, National Geographic, um, and the History Channel. And that will be in, in 2020. Uh, for those of you who don't have cable, um, who might not be able to see a particular, I, I've asked them to gift me that, meaning to gift me a digital representation of the show. So they might give me an MP4. Uh, I might have a video um, that I will also be able to put up, um, but it'll be happening in uh, 2020. Uh, Dark Soul Jua, if you are here, if you are close, I absolutely offer you to come. Um, I beg you to come. Um, be a part of this ceremony. It is for New, New Year's Eve, tomorrow night. Um, I'm trying to pull up my actual document. It is for tomorrow night. I want to leave you all with this. It is for the New Year's Eve acknowledgement and celebration. But it's what I call my annual New Year's Eve so blessing. So there will be a blessing or two that will be taking place during this ceremony that will encourage prosperity, growth, abundance, wealth, all of those things. 
children. The ceremony will also encourage children and childbirth and the production of, of families. So please come. Um, I'm asking that people wear white, cover your head in white. Um, I'm asking that you bring uh, tall white seven-day candles. I'm asking that you bring the, the tall rainbow-colored uh, seven-day African power candles. I'm asking you to please bring various types of liquor and alcohol for libations to be poured, but also for libations to be shared. As the ashe, as the power is conferred upon the food items, you consume that. You, you then take in the blessing. You then take a sip of the alcohol. You then take a sip of the, the rum. And that's what you're doing in your New Year's Eve celebration. It has just been bastardized. It has just been commercialized. It has just been westernized. But that whole midnight kiss, midnight champagne, all of that is rooted in this voodoo. So, yes, I ask you to come, please. Bring your drum. Bring your, your African rhythm instruments. Bring your voice. It's going to be a powerful event. Um, do email me at divineprince at houseofthedivineprince.com. Uh, divine is spelled with two I's, not two E's. Um, sometimes I get requests for divine with two E's, and I don't get the request because that's not how you spell my name. Uh, so please, divine with two I's, prince at houseofthedivineprince. Dot com. I welcome you. Please come. I appreciate you and your and your support. Um, so absolutely, um, Dark Soul Jua, uh, shoot me an email. Let me know you're coming. I can give you a little bit more um, details. <clears throat> Thank you, Marge Richard, for typing that in. Nat GL Travel Channel History Channel. Yes, th that's where the documentaries will be. Um, I can say we are going to talk about some of the things that Marcus talked about. Uh, we, we talked about some of the things that we talked about today, um, and then we're going to talk about some things that are a little bit more frightful, a little bit more scary in terms of how we think about hoodoo, voodoo, root work, conjure, and what that is and how to apply it, particularly when we're thinking about revenge retributive magic, corrective magic. And understand the ancestors carried that with them to the Middle Passage. When you think about the Egungun, the Galette Day, we think about celebrating, we think about honoring and acknowledgement, but there was also the time where they were the police force, the justice force in our community. And so they corrected the problem. They got rid of the problem. They eliminated the problem. They brought disease and, and pestilence to the problem in order to bring balance, in order to bring balance. So this newer idea about revenge and retributive magic and doing harm, it's a little bit more Western uh, influenced by me, myself, and I, by a more selfish position rather than a more communal, we can't let you become a problem to yourself and then become a problem to the village, to the community, to the people. Uh, voodoo is like Mau Mau in the spirit form. 
if you understand what Mau Mau, East African Mau Mau is. Voodoo is like that, but in a spirit form. You're going to go to the source. Sometimes the source is yourself. Sometimes the source is your peer group. And you correct, you bring balance, or you remove, or you bind, or you eliminate. I appreciate each and every one of you and your uh, questions and comments. <clears throat> yeah, the whole midnight kiss thing is, is really reinforcing the idea that what you have, what you possess, what you give power to at the stroke of midnight then carries forward with you into the new year. So absolutely, yes. Um, T. Warner is asking how important is candle work in voodoo? Uh, and I'm going to assume that you used voodoo specifically as opposed to um, hoodoo. Now, um, we use candles to a degree. We would have also, and maybe more so, used oil and oil lamp. I think candles were more expensive, um, may have very well been something that Massa and the Big House had, um, but I envision and through my studies, see us using a great deal more oil, oil lamp and, and fire, fire itself. Um, not just the bonfire, but, but, but fire lit to a particular plant, a particular piece of wood, uh, and then that utilized and or applied. I don't think that wax is somehow less important, but wax has also been, just like your oil, handled and manipulated by, by humanity. Um, oil lamps is, is much more common. And particularly when we look at hoodoo, the, the documented demonstrations of hoodoo, candle work, I think, is more relevant as candle wax became cheaper and more available to us, especially through your botanicas, and then they brought that into the tradition. The idea is that the candle, the oil lamp, can keep your prayer, your charge, your energy, your thought, your want keep it alive longer, keep it energy illuminated longer. And so that's how the candle and the candle work made its way into uh, voodoo and, and then hoodoo, respectively. Greetings, D. Kashmir loves. Alapia to you as well. Blessings and prosperity into the new year. And please, for those of you who, who can't be here but want that, energy, want that financial blessing, want that prosperity, send me an offering, send me a donation by way of PayPal with a clear message, because they do allow you to type a message with your PayPal. I, I, I am responding to the Zoe blessing. I want the blessing. Make sure your mailing address is clear. I don't care where you live. Just give me your mailing address. Make sure that it's clear your P.O. box, your job, your house, wherever, and I will send you the special stuff. I will send you the special stuff that the people who are participating in this ceremony will receive. Trust me when I say it's more than a gree-gree. 
It's more than just just send your offering, send your donation, send your note, send your message. If you want to be here, but you just can't, but you want that energy, you want that blessing, you want that opportunity to receive wealth and prosperity moving into 2020. With my result oriented guarantee. That is my two o'clock calling, probably. <laughs> so I am going to have to end the show. I am going to have to move forward. Um, D Cashmere Love is asking, do I have Cash App? No. All I use is PayPal. Really. All I use is PayPal. I don't trust any other app. I've seen too many problems with the other apps. Um, I know why people use some of the other apps. I only use PayPal. Um, I've had clients over the years, may she rest in O'Roon, one in particular comes to mind, uh, Yvette Johnson from, from New York, from the New York area, uh, would send me money in an envelope, in the mail. And I don't suggest that. But if someone does that and it's successful and, and I receive it, great. But I really only use um, PayPal. I'm a little bit open to Western Union or MoneyGram, but that then requires me to have to get up and leave the house <laughs> and make a trip into the French Quarter. Um, so I don't really encourage that. Uh, but I have received offerings and donations um, in that way. Um, I'm so here for you, with you. Appreciate each and every one of you. Habargani, the question of the day is Habargani. What is the news? The news is Nia. The news is purpose. Please clarify your purpose. Take the time to be silent, to be quiet, to be still, to ask of God, to ask of Goddess, to ask the universe to show you your purpose. To clarify my purpose, I can't see right now. I can't hear right now. You got to make this make sense to me. And put your emotion into it. Put your energy into it, into your candle, into your oil lamp, into your work, and ask spirit to show you with clarity your purpose. Sit in a dark room in front of a mirror with your lamp, with your single candle, and ask to see purpose. Ask for clarification of your purpose. It could be audible. It could be visual. It could show up in your dream state, but you've got to document it. Keep a journey, a journal. Write almost everything down that you can capture after you make that statement in time and space after you project that energy and magnify it even with your quartz crystal, you ask God, you ask Goddess, you, you ask of the ancestors, what is my purpose? Get clarity about your purpose. It is because of my purpose that I can endure hateration. It is because of the clarity of my purpose I can endure attack. I can endure evil. I can endure negative energy. I can endure bad will. 
and bad energy and, and people who would otherwise see me not grow, not advance, not survive, not be successful. And so clarify your purpose. There's no greater message I can leave you with today. Be clear about your purpose. I appreciate you, um, D. Cashmere Loves. I appreciate everyone, your attention, your support, your offerings, your donations. I know many of you have noticed uh, that I'm LLC. I got my paperwork together. Uh, that was becoming a problem. Some of you know we had some challenges. I had some friends and supporters in, in the UK and, and, and in Asia and some other places sort of helped me to get it together. Um, so I'm legit. I'm legit. I'm a ministry. I'm a business. I'm an individual operating in professional standards. Um, as it relates to performance and ministry. So I appreciate your love. I appreciate your support. I appreciate your attention. I appreciate you all showing up in the middle of your day or night or whatever time of day it is for you right now to sit with me and to sup with me and to share with me for two, and, two hours and 15 minutes. Revolutionary hoodoo. New Orleans food and secrets and recipes. I'm grateful for you. I appreciate each and every one of you. I offer you nothing but love and support. Moving forward in 2020, all is truly and indeed a blessing. I'm going to leave you with Congo Square. Congo Square. Asheo. Ashe. Congo Square. Thank you, YouTube Live. The Omas Indians. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries I don't know. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians. Tomorrow's going to be good. New Year's December. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow recognizing the sacredness of Le Place. De Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, 
to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat. Heart be at this place, at this place be heart be be we beating place in new world space, beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do. Let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together. And singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget even when we can't remember the specifics we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out Hello. of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. 
deep inside us is us, remains us inside, and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning, a sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us. to remember, to beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square, beat Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.